Thanks, Tipa. Okay. Um, our Sikha today by Yakel Bays in Chilak um, Tezayin. And we are learning the Sikha in the Schos of the Foshlema of Harav Yosef Yitzhak Ben Sima Chasya. Should have our Foshlema Ukreva. Um, very, very interesting Sikha. Aleph. Okay, so in this week's parsha, we have a pasuk that says a betzalel made the aron. Isa b'medrash. B'shosh Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu Hamishkan. When Kadosh Baruch Hu appeared to Moshe in that time, when he said to Moshe, "Please fashion the mishkan," Bava Amar lebetzalel, Moshe came and he told betzalel, "I need you to be the architect in chief." So Basala asked Moshe, oh, tell me a little bit about this project. Tell me what kind of energy you're looking for. What's your vision, etc., etc. What is this? So there are two things Moshe said to Basala that have to happen in the Mishkan. First, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to be able to rest his Shekhinah there. This is going to be the place where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to rest his Shekhinah. And it's also the place from which Hashem is going to teach B'nai Yisrael Amar So So where is the Torah going to be placed? Amar Moshe said to B'tzalel, after we make the Mishkan, we'll make the Aren. In other words, first things first. Let's talk about the structure. Let's talk about the building. Then we'll talk about the details. We'll talk about the Aren. Amar Betzalel said to Moshe, Rabbeinu Moshe, our teacher Moshe, that is not proper towards the Torah, that we should first make a structure, and then we should worry where the Torah itself is going to rest. Betzalel said, in my opinion, I think we should first make the Aaron, and then we should make the Mishkan. And therefore, Betzalel merited that the Aryan should be called on his name in, in particular, Shenamar, like it says in this week's parsha, Vayas Betzalel as Aryan. Betzalel made the Aryan. Betzalel fashioned the entire Mishkan and all the Kalim, but it's specifically regarding the Aryan that it says Vayas Betzalel. Umashma medrash And it's understood from this medrash, Shetoichen inin Aryan, Hudavor Nifred Mehashuaz Hashkinash of a Mishkan, that the idea of the Aryan is separate and apart as an entity from the general resting of Hashem Shechina in the Mishkan. And the same, it seems, would be understood from a different Medrash. After the Mishkan was set up, Hashem said to Moshe, You created a resting place. Achsanya means like an inn like a hostel, like you created a place where I will be able to rest. And now create, a, in similar fashion, create a resting place for the Torah so that it can rest as well with me. The inner movements was not understood. It's true, of course, that the place where the Aaron uh, rested, the place where the Aaron was, was... The, the place where the Torah was, was the Aaron. 
at the same time that you say that the Torah um, rested in the Aaron and that the main thing of the Aaron was a Torah, but it's also true that the Aaron was the main place, it would seem like the locus where the Shekhinah rested. Like the Ramban says that the main purpose of the Mishkan was about the resting place of the Shekhinah, and the resting place of the Shekhinah was in the Aaron. So while in the two Midrashim that we looked at, it looks like there are two particular purposes, two different purposes. There's Hashra, Hashkina, and then there's the Tyre. But the Ramban says that the main thing of the whole Mishkan was Hashra, Hashkina, and the, the um, potency of the Shekhina rested and radiated from the Aaron, the Imkain, and if so, so how can we opine, how can we say that there's two things when according to the Ramban, it's really one thing. And yet, according to the Midrashim, we're saying that there's the, the Mishkan in general, and that's going to be the resting place for the Shekhinah. And then there's something separate and apart, and that is the Aran, and that is where the Torah is going to rest. Base, the Yuvan Zebahaktiv, and we'll understand this first by prefacing with another limut. Regarding the resting of the of Hashem's presence in the Mikdash, which is all uh, the Mishkan, which is also referred to as a Mikdash, Nitzavu Bekaso, we were commanded in the Torah, Vaasuli Mikdash Bishachanti Besaycham. Make for me a mikdash, make for me a, a holy place, and I will rest amongst you. And from the distinctive and different verbiage here, famously, that it doesn't say, I will rest in it. I will rest among them. We learn that there's an additional thing here. Of course, it's true that Hashem will rest in the Mishkan, but the plural comes to teach us that Hashem will rest in each one of us. And in further explaining this idea of Hashem resting Hashkina in our personal microcosmic mikdash that is within each and every one of us, the Rebbe brings down a Gemara. And this is the Siyum of Meseches Chagiga. Isa Gemara Besiyum Meseches Chagiga. This is the very, very end of Chagiga. And the Gemara says as follows. Amar Rabbi Vahu, Amar Rabbi Lazar. Ein or shall gehenim shalletes behen. Talmidei chachamim will not be harmed in gehenim. The fire of gehenim has no sovereignty over them. Kal v'choymer, Gemara says we learn this from a kal v'choymer, how much more so, misalamandra. We learn it from a species called a salamander. Uma salamandra shetaledes eish so we learn about the salamander that it is a 
creature that is born of fire. And we also have this idea that if you take the blood of the salamander and you, and you uh, cover yourself in that blood, it becomes like fire retardant. It protects from fire. Um, so I just want to say a few words about this because of course I was very curious about this. What does it mean that a salamander is born of fire? Um, so the first thing that's going to come up if you Google this is something called the fire salamander. Um, but then if you Google a little more, you can watch how the fire salamanders are, you know, um, how conception occurs and you can watch the birth and you can see that they're not being born from fire. Um, they're called fire salamanders, interestingly, because they're black and depending on the different salamanders, they could have like a lot of yellow and orange and red, all the colors of fire. Um, but Rashi says about this Gemara, um, Rashi explains that the salamandra that's being referred to here is a beast. By the way, our word salamander comes from the Greek salamander, salamandra. Um, this salamandra is a beast created through magical arts from a fire left burning for seven years in one place without interruption. Um, so it's not your pedestrian fire salamander. Um, so that, that is something I just wanted to explain. Um, but for the purposes of what we're doing now, um, the Gemara describes this species as being born of fire and that its blood, when used as a protective device, grants you immunity from being burned from fire. So the Gemara says, So how much more so? That their entirety, their entire body is fire. like it says, surely my words are as fire, says Hashem. So Allah has come of How much more so a Talmud Chacham that is literally made of fire is going to be protected from fire like the salamander that emerges from fire and is protected from fire. Amar Rish Then the next part of the Gemara says, Rish Lakish said, that the fire of Gehenim cannot have sovereignty over the sinners of Israel. We learn out a Kalvachimer from what? We learn it from the Mizbeach Hazav. So we know there were two Mizbechais. There was the larger Mizbeach upon which the animals were offered. And then there's Mizbeach Hazav, which was in the Heichal, in the Ayah Mayid. And that's where the incense was offered. The the Taras the, um, Hasamim was offered every day. So Gemara says, Ma Mizbeach Hazav, Sheinolov, Dinar Zahav. So when you talk about the Mizbeach Hazav, it has the thinnest veneer of gold. It's as thin as a tiny coin. And yet the fire that comes down from Hashem day after day, year after year, does not impact the wood. It does not incinerate the wood that's right beneath the very thin cover of gold. So again, so if you have this um, wooden structure that has just the thinnest 
kind of overlay of gold. And still the gold protects it from the fire that comes down day after day, year after year. So how much more so the sinners of Israel. This is like two weeks ago, if you remember, we discussed how the Pesha Yisrael are Malay and Mitzvahs Karimah, and even the sinners of Israel are as full of mitzvahs as a pomegranate is full of seeds. So we're, we're reviewing now this idea or, or referencing this idea. Um, and the same Pasuk from Shir Hashirim, Kipalach Bekasach. The Shir Hashirim says, like the, the um, split pomegranate is your brow, is your, is your uh, forehead. But the Gemara says, Al-Tikri Rekasach, don't read it forehead, Ela Rekonin Shebecha. Read it, the empty ones that are among you. So, Al-Achas Kama V'Kama, the Pesha Yisrael, the sinners of Israel, who are considered the empty ones, they are protected from the fire of Gehenim, like the Mizbeach, that was protected by the golden veneer, but much more so. It's a Kalvachimer. Now, the Rebbe is going to ask a number of questions on this Gemara. So, first, it would seem at first glance that the connection between these two things, um, the first thing that is brought down to the name of Rabbi Lazar. Are protected from Gehenim. And then the second Mimra, the second um, teaching in the Gemara, brought down to the name of Rish Lakish, that the Poisha Yisrael are protected from the fire. Is she frozen for everyone? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'll call her again. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, thank you. I'm just trying to find where I do the video. 
Okay. 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 I'm not sure what's going on here, but I'm going to use this. Okay. Um, so we were in the paragraph where we were talking about the, the connection between these two mimras, the first one from Rabbi Rabbi Lazar, and the second um, from Reish Lakish. And Bepashtus, uh, the Rebbe says, there's a connection, and it has to do with what was spoken of earlier regarding the veneer over the Mizbechais, the Mizbech HaZohav and the Mizbech HaNacheshes, both of which had metallic overlays. And the larger context of the discussion in the Gemara has to do with the fact that after um, the Shalash Regolim, there's a whole discussion about what has to be purified in the Beis HaMikdash. In case somebody came to the Beis HaMikdash um, during the Shalash Regolim and actually was not in a state of purity and how that might have impacted the different Kalim in the Beis HaMikdash. And so the question is, which of the Kalim are Makabel Tuma? which of the kalim have to be purified. So the question is, is the Mizbeach the Kabel Tumah? And we're soon going to understand why it should or should not be the Kabel Tumah. So that's the larger context. So in connection to this, Huva HaMimur Duresh Lakish, so in connection to this larger discussion about the Mizbechais and how they were constructed and how they were constructed of wood and they had a metal overlay and how this impacts um, their status of being able to be a Makabal Tumor not, Rish Lakish says, So now we understand the connection between what Rish Lakish is saying, because he's connecting it to the Mizbeach Hazav that was just discussed. The discussion in the Gemara underscores that the Mizbeach is covered, is overlaid with gold. And from this idea, is brought before this, the, what Rebbe Lazar taught, that the fire of Gehenim cannot uh, harm them. Now, if you're thinking that this is a little bit like backwards, uh, like maybe playing Twister, you're on the right track. So here are the questions that the Rebbe has on this Gemara. Are we good or should we review or are there any questions? I can't see your faces now. <laughs> I can hardly Please see anything. That, that would be good. Okay. I, mean, I okay. would appreciate it. Okay. So let's review. So um, let's go back to the beginning of base, where the Rebbe is seeking to explain to us the two Inyanim in the Mishkan. On the one hand, the Hashra's Hashrina, the house for Hashem, and on the other, the Inn of Taira, the house for the Taira, the house for the Luchais, which would be the Aren. So the Rebbe says we're going to understand this by prefacing that in general we know that everything that happened in the Mishkan and the Mikdash happens within ourselves. And there are two Inyanim in ourselves. There's this binary in ourselves. And we're going to understand more about our inner Mishkan by referencing a Gemara. And in this Gemara, where the Rebbe starts, which is at the very end of Chagiga, it's, the, it's actually the Siyam of Chagiga, the Rebbe cites Amar Rabbi Avau, Amar Rabbi Lazar, and the, the teaching from Rabbi Avau, Rabbi Lazar, is that Tamidi Chachamim are um, shielded, are immune from the fire of Gehenim. 
And how do we learn this? We learn this as a kavuchaymer from the species called the salamandra or the salamander. Um, the Gemara says that the salamander comes from fire. It's born of fire. And I explained according to Rashi what this means. It's not talking about pedestrian salamanders. It's talking about a very specific um, species. And there are a lot of midrashim about this species um, that has a, uh, a tendency to deflect fire. It's fire retardant. In fact, if you take its blood and you smear it on your body, you too will not burn. So how much more so the Talmidei Chachamim, that their whole bodies are considered fire because they are, they are the words of Hashem. And Hashem says about his words that they are fire. How much more so the Talmidei Chachamim are shielded from fire in Gehenna. The next mimra, the next um, teaching that we learned in that same Gemara, Rish Lakish says, you know what? The fire of Gehenim has no shlita, even on Pesha Yisrael. Forget about Tamid Chachamim. Even Pesha Yisrael, the sinners of Yisrael, they too are not able to be, to be affected by the fire of Gehenim. How do we learn this? We learn this as a Kalvachimer from the Mizbeach Hazav. The Mizbeach Hazav was in the Hechel, and that's where the incense was offered every day. And a fire would come down, would come down from Shemayim. And nevertheless, even though it was a wooden structure and it was protected by the thinnest layer of gold, the Mizbeach never burnt. So in the same way, the fire of Gehenim cannot harm. It has no shlita over Pesha Yisrael, over the sinners of Israel. Why? Because Malay and Mitzvah's Karimain, because they are filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate. Now, the Rebbe says that it would seem clear that these two teachings are connected to each other. And the Rebbe gives us the larger context thereof. And the larger context is a discussion in the Gemara about the fact that um, certain Kalim in the Beis Hamikdash might have gotten, to, might have contracted Tuma on the part of people that came for Yom Tif to the Beis Hamikdash. And if somebody was not uh, in a proper state of Tahara, they might have um, made something impure. But the question, of course, with Tuma and Tahara always begins with, is a substance Mechabel Tuma? Is this something that could even be Mechabel Tuma, which somewhat counterintuitively actually means that thing is important, that it means it's a compliment if it could be Mechabel Tuma in the world of Tuma and Tahara. And so the question is, can it be Mechabel Tuma? And so there's a question about the Mizbechas, because wood and earth, which was the underlying structure, is not Mechabel Tuma. But metallic substances, gold, copper, can be makabel tuma. And so that's the larger context of the conversation in which we talk about the golden overlay of the Mizbeach HaZahav. And through this, there is a um, a to the Peshe Yisrael. And um, so the Rebbe says, we have a few questions about this. If this is what's going on, it's not understood. Aleph, first question. If this is so, if this is the trajectory of the teachings, okay, this is probably something you were already thinking in your head. The Gemara should have first cited Reish Lakish. 
we're all used to meandering in conversations from one subject to another, but there has to be some logical segue. There has to be some logical bridge. So the logical bridge to get between the conversation about the Mizbechais and Pesha Yisrael or Talmidei Chachamim would have been to first talk about the Kabbalah with the Mizbech Hazav and not talk first about a salamander. What does the salamander have to do with the Mizbechais? Virak la'achar mikain, and only after that, lahaviyas hamimad rabbi lazo benegelet hamidei chachamim. And only afterwards to bring from Rabbi Vau, Rabbi Lazar, about the Talmidei Chachamim. Why? Because the Gemara puts Rabbi Lazar first, and that's a Kavachamim with a salamander, which doesn't seem to have any connection to the Mizbechais, which was the larger conversation. Question number two, Bates. Iker hasugya edis poishe Yisrael b'shaychis l'shlitas agehenem alehem. The main place where the Gemara discusses the sinners of Israel and to what extent they can be um, impacted in Gehenim. And in fact, the main place where the Gemara speaks about Gehenim in general, it's in Mesechas Eruvin. And this same teaching from Reish Lakish is brought down there, and if so, it would have made more sense to talk and to bring down the teaching of Rabbi Lazar about and how they are not impacted in Gehenim. It would have made more sense in the context in Ruvin, where that's the main topic. Because over there, that is the main place where this subject is treating Gemara. And in our Meseches and Chagiga, it's Mamish a tangent. It's Bederach Agav. And Beis, and another reason why it would have been more logical to treat it there is because Meseches Eruvin Kodemus Meseches Chagiga. Because in the order of the Gemaras, Eruvin comes before Chagiga. So why wouldn't you insert a teaching that is connected to something that is being discussed there in the first, you know, in the first place chronologically where you can insert it, where it is thematically related. Gimel. The third question, In the words of Reish Lakish itself, that he is drawing a Kalvachimer from the Mizbeach Hazav, that just like the Mizbeach Hazav is covered with a very thin layer of gold, and yet the fire that goes on the Mizbeach doesn't have Shlita over it, it doesn't burn it up. But the Rebbe says, but in that sugya, in that discussion, But it seems that here the Gemara is actually coming to the opposite conclusion of what the Gemara said just above us. Why? Shele Rabbanon, because the rabbis came to the conclusion that Niftal Batil Tipuyin Gabeho. That I know this means Shetipuyin shall Mizbechais Hanachaishes Vahazav Batel Limizbechais. They come to the conclusions that the Mizbeach Hazav and the Mizbeach Hanachaishes do not have to be purified after the Shalash Rabbalim. Why? Because the metallic veneer, the gold overlay, 
and in the case of Mizbeach and Achishas, the copper overlay are batel. They they become abnegated. They yield to the larger structure, which is made out of wood and earth, and is not mekabel tuma. So that would be the opposite of Rish Lakish. Shaharei b'mayme Rish Lakish, because in Rish Lakish's teaching, mudgash hatoykef shel tzipri hazav shal mezbeach. Because Rish Lakish is actually underscoring the import, the importance, the efficacy, and the, the huge way in which the golden overlay impacts. Shahatsipoi amad v'einoi, that the overlay stands on its own. And it actually is able to protect in very strong manner the keli, the, the vessel, the, the, the mizbeach. So much so that the fire cannot harm the wood of the mizbeach due to the golden veneer. So to review, because there's going to be another bunch of questions, so let's review these two questions. Number one, why does the does the Gemara bring these um, limudim in this particular order? If we were talking about Mizbechais, it would make sense to bring first Reish Lakish, who is bringing a Kalbuchaymer from a Mizbeach, and then to bring the second limud from Rabbi Vau, Rabbi Lazar, about the Kalbuchaymer from the Salamander. So the first question is why in this order? The second question is why is it even being brought here? especially the first limud about the Tamidi Chachamim and the Salamander, because Chagiga is not the main place where Gehenim is discussed, and it's definitely not the main place where the impact of Gehenim on Pesha Yisrael is being discussed. And since the idea of how Pesha Yisrael are are um, impacted by Gehenna is already discussed in Eruvin, and Eruvin comes before Chagiga, you would think that it would have already been discussed in Eruvin about how the Talmidei Chachamim are impacted by Gehenna, but it's here, it's not there. And finally, this limur of the Kalvachimer from the Mizbeach Hazab of Rish seems to actually go against something that was just kind of decided in the Gemara above, which is that the Rabbanan, the Rabbanan came to the conclusion that the Mizbechais did not have to be treated for impurity or possible contraction of impurity after um, the Yamim Tevim because they're not Mechabal Tuma. And why are they not Mechabal Tuma? Because although they have a metallic overlay, a metal overlay, but the metal overlay is butal, it's abnegated to the main structure of the Mizbeach, and the main structure of the Mizbeach is made out of wood and earth, and wood and earth are not susceptible to Tumah. Then the Rebbe says in Gimel, Gam Tzarech Lohavin, Kama Diyukim B'Mimras Elu Shebegimbara. Now the Rebbe says, and we have to understand another few things, Diyukim, details, Aleph. Hakal V'chaimim Mizbeach Hazav, Hamuva B'Gimbara B'Negei L'Pesha Yisrael, Yafa K'Echai, Rebbe says that the Kalvachimer that's brought from the Mizbeach Hazah, that the Gemara brings about Pesha Yisrael, that's the second teaching, is so much stronger than the first that is brought about Tamidich Hachamim. 
The second is shekeshem shehazav megan al mizbeach and pleyeish, just like the gold protects the mizbeach from the fire. In the same way, the Torah of Talmidei Chachamim protects them from the fire of Gehenim. Even if Talmidei Chachamim would do things that are unwanted, and for which they deserve to be punished in the fire of Gehenim, Lule has chus Torah, if not for this chus of Torah. So why wouldn't you compare them also to the golden mizbeach? Vim kain ain't move on. So it's not understood. L'chayre, it would seem, kol ha-mimra oedis ha-mirich ha-chamim, yimir It would seem that it's completely extra. It's, it's redundant. It's just not necessary. It's superfluous to give a different kalvachaymer for the Talmud Chacham. Ki efshar lil moizois b'mikol shakeme inyan v'hamimra shabinagel l'pashi Yisrael. Because you could have learned it from the same kalvachaymer that you're using for the sinners of Israel, but on steroids. Steroids. Umikol shakeme. How much more so? And on the other hand, if there is already a teaching about how the Talmud Chachamim are protected, why do we need another Kalvachimah? Just use the Mizbeach. And it's even more not understood because salamandra who sheretz tame because a salamander is an impure being, uh, amphibian, I'll call panchaya or an animal. So why would the Gemara choose to teach us about a talmud chacham from a sheretz? I mean, if you if you're already using that limud, why not apply it to especially because the salamander doesn't seem to be such a holy thing? And then you talk about the Mizbechazov for the Pesha Yisrael. And Bayes, and this is a really interesting question. We are now learning that both Tamidi Chachamim and the sinners of Israel find themselves in Gehenna because of their sins. And, and the Gemara says, but the fire of Gehenna doesn't have shlit on them, doesn't have sovereignty over them. They're immune from the fire. In the first, the first demographic, because and in the second demographic, because they're full of mitzvahs. If this is so, so why would you call the first demographic scholars? And the second demographic, you're calling them that's all you're giving them? You're calling them sinners of Israel? But in effect, they both end up in the same place, and they're both granted immunity from the fires. So these are the questions. Dalit. And so we already know the Rebbe is going to answer these questions, and then through this, answer the original question of understanding the difference between Hashra, Hashchina, and Taira. The binary that was present in the Mishkan and in the 
microcosmic mishkanais, the mikdashis that um, are found in each one of us. The connection and the unity, Chibor is connection and Kesher is connection. There has to be another word. It's not unity, but the connection and the connection of a Jew and a Kaddish Baruch Hu happens essentially in two different ways. It happens through learning Torah. It happens through mitzvahs. But there is a difference between them. When a Jew learns Torah and he's able to understand, understand as much as we can of Hashem's Chachma through the agency of our Seichel, then we become united with the Torah. And in the words of the Tanya, with a wondrous unity that has no match, that has no parallel. We become one, we become united in every conceivable way. So much so, that the metzirs of the person, the existence of the person becomes tired. Masha ain came be mitzvahs. In contradistinction with mitzvahs. Ah, bal pish al yidekim ha mitzvahs, nasa mekayim ha mitzvah, merkava leratana elyon, even though through um, the performance of the mitzvah, the one who keeps the mitzvah becomes a chariot to the celestial desire, to the celestial will of Hashem. He becomes a chariot to, a conduit for, but not one and the same with the commander. And this is the difference between these two teachings. Rebbe Lazar is focusing on the advantage of Torah in Bnei Yisrael. The idea of Talmidei Chachamim. That through learning Torah, the, the body of the Talmud Chacham becomes like fire. And what does it mean, the fire over here? He devoraik ish. It's from that pasuk where Hashem says, "My words are like fire." Right. So that's the kavana. That what kind of fire is it? It's it's the fire. It's the fire of Hashem's words. Sorry, I'm struggling. You're on mute. Thank you. Um, so let me go back. So the difference between the two teachings, Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Shlakish, is they're pointing out different, this binary. Uh, Rabbi Lezer is talking about that their bodies become fire. What fire? We're talking about 
the words of the Torah, the fire of the words of Torah. They become one and the same with Torah, and godliness. Until the Torah becomes their Matthias, becomes their existence. And Rish Lakish is focusing on the advantage of mitzvahs. Pesha Yisrael. Even, even a sinner in Yisrael, Malay and Mitzvahs Karimain, is filled with mitzvahs like the pomegranate is filled with seeds. Even though, as was already said, um, when you do the mitzvah, there is not this unity between the commander and the Jew. But still in all, but at the very least, the Jew becomes a cleat, a receptacle, a vessel for the mitzvahs. We are full of mitzvahs. And for this reason, the fire of Gehenim cannot impact this Jew. And now we can understand this analogy on a little bit of a deeper level. Even though the pomegranate is filled with seeds, but the seeds each remain separately ensconced in the membrane. So each one remains separate. They don't become part of the larger fruit. In the same way, the sinners of Israel, even though they do observe mitzvahs, but their body does not become mitzvahs. But they are filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate. And even so, and now the Rebbe is explaining an answer to one of the questions. For this reason, you can't use the same metaphor for Talmidei Chachamim and Pashi Yisrael, because Talmidei Chachamim, their body, their, their very existence becomes fire. their very existence becomes fire. And because their very existence becomes fire, and because of what a Talmud Chacham is, when a Talmud Chacham does an Avera, this Avera is reckoned in much more stringent manner than it would just be a pedestrian Jew, a sinner. Like we're taught that by that when they commit a sin inadvertently, it's reckoned as if they did it purposefully. And on the other hand, and a like fashion, you cannot use the same metaphor. You cannot extrapolate from the Talmud Chacham for the sinner. So we're answering the question of why the Gemara doesn't just use one metaphor, one Kalvachimer, because we're talking about two very different, it's not the Pshat, we're talking about two different categories or two different uh, demographics alone. We're talking about two types of existence. 
The Talmud Chacham is an existence of Aish. They become Torah. The Yid that maybe is a Peshea, does sins, but is Mole Mitzvah Karimain, but he's Mole, he's a Kli, he's a vessel, he's a receptacle for the Mitzvahs, but he didn't become Mitzvah. He didn't become one with the Mitzvah. Like the like the Tanya explains about what happens when you learn Torah. I'm hoping I'm not the only. Yeah, sorry. Yes, sorry. I, I I don't I, I can't understand it because the idea of a mitzvah to begin with is tafs of chibor. So how are we saying that we're not connected essentially if we're full of mitzvahs? Okay, and so I just. And a Talmud Chacham is someone who's learning, and I understand that he's full of fire, but. If he's not full of mitzvahs, then his learning is almost academic. Okay, so um, first of all, Sarah, I'm so glad you asked the question because obviously this was a question I asked when I was learning this. And um, I know I sound like a broken record, but I think this is one of the greatest things about the learning. Well, I'll say, I think possibly if we can say this, if we can extrapolate, maybe the greatest thing about our learning is that we are becoming one with the Rebbe. It's true that if you look at who's on, who's going to be on this class? People mm-hmm. who are mully Mrs. Karimai and are spend their life doing things for the Rebbe, but there is something to be said about becoming one through the Torah. Okay, that's number one. That's, that's arguably the greatest thing. The second greatest thing that's happening to us is that we're learning, um, we're beginning to learn, we're at the very beginning of this project, we're beginning to learn on a very wide panorama. It's, you know, it, it shows us that we've learned many sikhs before, we've taught many sikhs before. And of course, the idea of tzavta v'chibor v'chulei v'chulei, but in chasidus, there's so much more and there's so much more differentiation and stratification. And so this is not to take away, of course, that through a mitzvah, there's tzavta v'chibor and you become one with Abisher and you tickle or you ignite the echida that's in the in the Jew and all of these yanam are true but it's also true like we learned in Tanya that there's something that can be cre- that can be created or can be affected from learning Torah that can't be done by mitzvahs and that is the yichud nifla that is the wondrous unity that has no parallel the Al-Tarebbe says now Hopefully, we're talking about a Talmud Chacham that's not just learning. It's a Talmud Chacham that's also doing mitzvahs. I think that's the category we're talking about here. But, um, you know, the beauty of embarking on this project is opening ourselves up to so many different kinds of sikhs and so much Torah and beginning to understand the old Yiddish expression of sevenzach vumeret, which means it depends on the context. It depends on what you're talking about. Because there's so many, so many yanim like this in Hasidus. In one place it says like this, one place it says like that. It depends what the larger context here. So that is not this question. Yes, you get sorry. Sorry. I think the game is called 20 questions. If 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 I and maybe this is a stupid question, I don't know, but like this making me think on campus. So for my husband to put on tefillin versus doing a class, like he'll spend his entire Friday putting on tefillin. <laughs> Should he create a class instead of putting on fun with them? <laughs> again, again, ain't lotu ella divri ben amra, right? The Rebbe Akishturim 
about putting on tefillin and, and, and moving Jews from the level of Karkafta to a level where they can go into Ganeidin, b'chulei, b'chulei. There are few in Yanim that the Rebbe was so passionate about. I think, I think we could say, based on everything the Rebbe taught us, that it's gam v'gam. <laughs> Probably right. more than that. Probably the Rebbe would say, oh, he should go on campus an hour earlier, and then before yeah. that, he should do a class. That's probably what the Rebbe would say. Like, in other words, we right. know that teaching our students, that teaching Torah to anybody is a Kesher Shel Kayama. We know that. But we also know how many Neshamas were ignited through putting on film. So I don't think it's a case of one or the other. I think it's Gam Vagam. Right. Right. Okay. Maybe the relationship that he's forming with them through tefillin is going to bring them to a class like Lichbenchen or... Undoubtedly. Yeah. Undoubtedly, Mitzvah Should be sooner rather than later. Right. Rifki. Yes. Can I elaborate a little bit on what you said? Please. According to Tanya, learning Torah is the element of food. And according, and mitzvahs is the levoshim, is the clothing. We never become united with our clothing. But when we learn, we chew it and chew it and chew it. It becomes our chachma, our bina, our das, which then creates our... Um, our um, midas, and it comes out in action in malchus. We start talking to her. We think to her. People ask us, "What you ask me? Somebody, you know, ask you, what's your opinion on something?" And you'll give them the Torah opinion on it, what the Torah says on it, and they'll say, "No, we don't want that. We want your opinion." How do you separate the two? So learning becomes one with you. It's your food. It's your spiritual food. You're really thinking. That's what Tanya says in Parakei. Whereas the mitzvahs are your levushim, and you never become one with your levushim. In, in, in actual, actual, it's a represent, you're a merkava. It's different. It's a, it's a, you see the difference? Spot on, Esther, and the Rebbe is going to reference the idea of levushim and going to connect it to Sipoy Hazav, the golden veneer. It's external. It's a veneer, like Esther just explained. It's a levush. It's not the lechem that the Rebbe speaks about in Tanya. Esther, thank you so, so much. I should have had the seichel to do what you did, but thank you. Somebody has to do it. It's hey. easier for the one watching than for the one doing it. Much easier. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I have a good editor because you need that. You're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Hey. And now we're in a better... Uh, position to understand more fully why Talmidei Chachamim, the, the metaphor and the Kalvachimer is drawn from the salamander and the Pesha Yisrael from the golden Mizbeach. Salamandra he toledes ha'esh. The salamander is a species that is born of fire. Again, not your pedestrian salamanders. Bedugma is Talmidei Chachamim shekol gufan ish. Shemitzi usam hitayr, like Esther just explained. So it's like the model of the Talmud Chacham that their whole body becomes fire. Their whole mitzius becomes terror. So Rabbi Lazar comes to explain what we're discussing here is the Talmud Chacham and their whole, their whole body is age. So then how is it possible that this should be an Indian of sin, or even if you want to teach how Hasidus teaches hate a deficit, 
on the other hand, and if they do have a shaykhus to sins, and that's why they're gehenim. How is it possible that the fire of Gehenim doesn't impact them and they remain fiery, fiery existences? That's why the Gemara uses this particular Kalvachimer from the salamander. The salamander is both born a fire and impacted not at all by fire. Amru Gemara. The Gemara teaches Iker Tibilusa Bindaira. That the main way to cleanse something spiritually is through fire. Some things are through water, but the main thing is through fire. Hainu. Sheikar Hamitar Mitumahu Esh That the main thing that is Mitaher Tuma is through fire and and more than even from water. Once we understand that fire purifies tuma, meaning it removes the tuma, how much more so it should be the case that tuma should not be able to emerge, it should not be able to be born of fire. If fire is the, the medium through which you can purify something from Tuma, it should have no shaykhah's Tuma at all. It, should, it shouldn't be an agency from which Tuma can emerge. But Ava became, and, 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 and even though this is true, we find that the salamandra comes from fire. It's a impure being. Uh, a creeping, crawling creature, or or an animal. On the other hand, and together with this, So on the one hand, it comes out of the fire, and it's tummy, and that's a paradox because fire cleanses from tuma, and here you have something emerging from fire that's tummy, and the blood of this species when you use it, like you would use um, sunscreen you know, protects you from fire. move on from this is understood. Now we understand why this is such an apt uh, because we say about them that they are fire. Even though it's possible that there should be a situation where they stumble and they sin. Because although they are their neshama is encased in a body made of flesh and, flesh and blood, and they live in this world where we're taught that, that the evil kind of surmounts or seems to surmount. And even though they have stumbled, and even though they find themselves Gehenim, they are still fire. The Ain Arshal Gehenim shall let us And the fire of Gehenim cannot impact them. Masha'ain came, Legabe Poisha Yisrael, in contradistinction, the sinners of Israel, Shahim Malayim mitzvahs that are full of mitzvahs. Muva Kalbuchamim Mizbeh Hazav, Shahaya 
mitzupa zahav, and this is what Esther was explaining before, the Indian of Vushim. What's the Kaal to? To the Mizbeach Hazav. That has a golden veneer, a covering, an encasement, a facade, like a lavush. That means that the Peshe, the Pesheya, or each one of us, we become the mitzvah hovers above us, as it were. It's like if a makif, we are covered with the mitzvah. And the mitzvah protects us, but we don't become one with the mitzvah. Like when you eat the lechem, you eat the bread of Torah. And now we understand that although, yes, they both end up in Gehenna, and they're both protected from the fire of Gehenna, but they represent completely different energies. And therefore, they have, they're referred to by two different names, by two different appellations. We're saying about them that their bodies are fire. You cannot refer to them as sinners amongst Israel or some other name. And even more so, the Rebbe brings down, there's actually a prohibition against disparaging Talmud Chacham. Because disparaging a Talmud Chacham is disparaging the Torah. Because you cannot separate and you cannot distinguish the Talmud Chacham from the Torah, Therefore, like it says in the Gemara, if you have a Talmud Chacham and he went off the path, he actually did something heinous, but you're not allowed to embarrass him. You're not allowed to disparage him in public. That's why the Gemara says a Talmud Chacham, the fire of Gehenim cannot <coughs> impact him. It cannot reign over him, so that we should understand from this oblique reference that something bad happened, otherwise they wouldn't be hanging out in Gehenim, but we're not going to articulate it fully. Me'idach, on the other hand, anashim shutim, simple people, although they are filled with mitzvahs, like a pomegranate is full with seeds, Okay, I want to be very careful here to explain. The Rebbe is not saying you should embarrass such a person, but he's saying there is a possibility to disparage them without disparaging the mitzvahs that they did. Because their existence is not mitzvahs, but rather they become a receptacle and they are full of mitzvahs. And the Rebbe says, and... On the contrary, the Gemara actually uses this term of Pesha Yisrael. So obviously there is some efficacy in um, calling them out in this way, and to disparage them, because this embarrassment is part of their kapara. 
And the Rebbe brings down an example, the Gemara tells us about Chizkiyahu, that Chizkiyahu rolled his father's corpse, King Achas's corpse, on a beer, on a mita, on yeah, a, a, um, a stretcher that you put a corpse on, made of ropes, which is apparently not a very um, respectful thing to do. But he did it in the hopes that he would offer his father some kapara through this. Risky. Yes. Sorry, I know I'm belaboring the point, but all of this is very beautiful for the individual and for the person who becomes closer to Hashem. But the bottom line is, without the mitzvahs, we can't be mevara the nitzvahs in this world. So isn't that the ultimate change that we're looking for, that this world should become a dear b'tachtainim? Well, the ultimate change that we're looking for is to become nimna hanum nois. The Rebbe always speaks about this, that we're, there's no such thing as impossible, we're, where we can encapsulate a paradox. We can encapsulate two antithetical ideas at the same time. So the sicha is going to be very instructive for us because it's going to allow us to break through our strict convention because all the sichas we're taught and all the speeches we hear, and it's always like what you're saying, but there's more to the story. And, and we are learning to like broaden our horizon and be able to, to use a very contemporary term, hold space for two, <laughs> for both. For two dichotomous ideas that's okay because that's everything deep is about dichotomy everything deep is about paradox i don't know who said this first i think i heard it was robbie salvechik who said when you learn tire on a deep level you will not find paradise you will find paradox now for sure in chasidus it's all about that so this does not at all upend everything that we've learned it doesn't upend the truth and yes, we are here to make a dear betachtainim, but the Rebbe is going to take us there, slowly, slowly, step by step. But both are necessary, okay? But we usually focus on one, perhaps more than the other. And, and in this, we're, we're, we're seeing a larger panorama. Zayin. So from this famous, famous saying uh, that we all learned many times, that when it says it means in each one of us, because it would only be the Mishkan or the Mikdash who would have said in singular, not in plural. Move on, it's understood. It's understood that just like in our personal Mishkan and the microcosmic Mishkan, there has to be these two strands. There has to be Torah and there has to be Mitzvahs. The same thing was happening in the, in the Mishkan and the Mikdash, the general one, the big one. Vabir was an explanation. When it comes to analyzing what was the main thrust of the Mishkan or the Mikdash, we actually find two opinions. 
Das Ramban he canal. We already referenced the the opinion of the Ramban above. Sheikar achefes b'mishkan who makay menuchas hashchina shehua aron. That the main point of the mishkan was that this was a place where the shchina rested, and the shchina rested hovered mainly above the aron. But we also have very famously Das Harambam. We have very famously the opinion of Rambam, and that is he shahataflisi liyos makrivim by kabanis. That the main um, point of the of the Mishkan, the Mikdash, is to bring kabanis. V'yesh leimer shebeetzam inyan mar amarchada umar amarchada v'loy plige. Sarah, this is to you. And the Chabad says that really. One says like this and one says like that, but they are not arguing. Because when the Abisha says, I will rest amongst you, it is inclusive of two different strands. That in the Mishkan, there should be open and revealed, and at the same time, most inner and integrated godliness. So this is the union of Yichud Nifla that is accomplished through Taira, and Beis Shashra Sashchina Tia B'Tachtainim, which is what you just said, Sarah, the Deir B'Tachtainim, that the Shechina should rest, Davke B'Tachtainim, Al Yidei Habiru Shalein Inyanim B'Tachtainim, through refining those aspects of Tachtainim, Hagashmiim, the, the physical, the temporal, Ukamai Inyan HaMitzvah, Sheheim Milubasha Yis Bidvarim Gashmiim Dafka, the mitzvahs that are encased in physical properties and physical aspects. The Hein Hein Shnei HaInyanim Alif HaArayin Beis HaKabonis VaHamishkan Bechlal, and now we're circling back to the very beginning, the two Inyanim. There's the Arayin, and then there's the Mishkan. Alf, but Aron Inyan Hatayra Hoyse Elokus Begolim. The Aron and the whole Inyan of Tayra is about revealing godliness. Makam, and how do we see this in the Aron? The Gemara says very famously, Makam Aron Ena Min Hamita, that the Aron had this unbelievable quality about it. That at once we learn exactly how big it was, what the measurements were. And on the other hand, the Aaron did not take up any place. And in this way, and this was a manifestation of the fact that the Aaron is Elokos. Because how could a physical thing not take up space? It has to be godly. Because only about the Abishter can you say that he's Nimna Hanim Nais, that he can bring synergy between dichotomy, that there's no impossible. Mechad Gisa, Amasayim Vachetzi Goimer. On the one hand, we have the exact measurements of the Aaron, Ubedafka, specifically these measures, Ubediok, and very, very specified. Ubiyachar is the Enam in Amita. And on the other hand, it actually didn't have any. Um, measurements. The zuhi malas hayichut shenasa al yedeter, and that is the distinctive yichud that happens through tayr. That we become one with the ebeister. We become one with nimna hanim nois base. But then there's indian of vayisak karbanis. The chain hamishkan bechlolus. But then there's indian of karbanis, and in general the mishkan. 
And how was the Mishkan made? How was it fashioned? Nitilas yud gimel tesvav dvarim gashmin. You had to take 13 or 15, depending on how you reckon, different kinds of physical things. Vasias mikdash lashamehem. And you took from the gold and the silver and the copper and the wool and so on and so forth. And you made a resting place for Hashem. Who, this is the Indian of Habshachas Hashkina Bitaktoinim. This is the Indian of bringing the Shkina down in the lower realms. Like Sarah said before, then it's like this Kedusha that are found in everything. This is through refining the physical, temporal, corporeal aspects of this world. Through the observance of mitzvahs. And although in the Mishkan in general, and specifically in bringing Karbanais, there was the manifestation of godliness, and there were many Nisim, so even though there were so many, many um, miracles that occurred surrounding the bringing of the Karbanais, but <clears throat> the thing that you brought, the ox, the sheep, the goat, still did not become elokus. And based on this, move on. And now we circle back to the very first medrash that Heber brought, brought down at the very beginning of the Sicha, where the medrashim make a distinction between the Aaron and the Mishkan in general. Even though, in a general way, it's true that Hashem Shechina rested on the Aron, so you would say it's basically the same thing, it's part and parcel of the whole Mishkan, but but more in detail, we actually find that there are two things going on. Aleph, an inn, a resting place, as it were, for Hashem, there's the way in which we serve as a um, a welcoming in for Hashem Shechina to rest through all the avoida that we do with the Dvarim Gashmiim, through the avoida of Karbanais, metaphorically for all the mitzvahs we do today. This is the idea of this idea of making for Hashem, welcoming Him. But then there's but then there's creating the welcoming in for Taira. There's the Indian of the Aron, which is distinctive. Because that's where you have the wondrous union. You have this manifested in the fact that the physical Aaron took up place and didn't take up place at the same time. And this is the example of that their body mamish becomes ish. Now, this above-stated distinction between Torah and Mitzvahs, the Mikdash HaPrati, in how they affect us in our internal and personal Mishkan, meaning the person who both studies Torah and is Mekayim Mitzvahs, 
וכך גם במקדש הכללי. And in like fashion in the general Mikdash, Noivea meachiluk shebein toir vahamitzuz boifan hiskash ruson v'yechudon melakus. This distinction flows from the essential distinction between toir and mitzvahs and how each one of those connect us and unite us with Hashem. Al ha-toir ne'amar. Regarding the toir, it says, Araisa v'kutshabricha kulachad. That Torah, godliness, are one. It's not like one thing that is attached to another thing through glue or staples. It's one entity. But the mitzvahs, on the, on the other hand, yes, it's true. They are the celestial will. Nikru, and this goes back, also connected to what Esther was, was explaining before, a varin de malka. They're called the limbs of the king of Hashem. And it's like, for example, our limbs. Although the limbs are abnegated to the soul, to the vivifying force of the person, still in all, they are not one with our vivifying force, which is why you could amputate a limb and you're not going to impact the vivifying force. Or you could have a limb that is not connected to the vivifying force for some reason, unfortunately. Mitzvahs are a commandment to the person. And in this way, they are distinguished from Torah. And here's yet another distinction. The Torah exists, Alpayim, 2,000 years before the world was created. The Torah exists whether there's a person or not. Mitzvahs exist when there's people to do them. When a Jew learns Torah, when he learns the Chachma of the Ebishter, Shehi Chadim Elokuz, Hadavar Poyel Gamboy Dvekus, Beyichur Imatayr Velokuz. This causes a particular kind of connection and unity with Elokuz. Abel Kisha Yehudi Makayim Mitzvah, Oisez Ratzim Mitzvah Hashem. But when a Yid does a Mitzvah and he fulfills the Tibet of Hashem, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's an amazing and unbelievable thing. Because this is a commandment and a lesson to the person. And it, and it affects a self-abnegation on the part of the person. Because he might want to be doing one thing, and he's mevatal himself, and he fulfills what Hashem wants. But still in all, he's abnegated his will to the mitzvah, but he hasn't become one with the mitzvah. I feel like um, there's another gift in the sikha, and that is that as we come closer to Purim, which means we only come closer to Pesach, maybe this is the sikha to encourage us not to let go of our learning, even as we come closer to the times where it's kind of crazy and we have so much we have to do. But this is a big yudal of listen that we're facing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, 120 and uh, we have to prepare ourselves in a whole different way. And we're learning 
about the advantage of connection through Tyra. So that's something we should also keep in mind. Yud. And through this, we can understand well the reason within the larger commandment that I will rest amongst you. Even in a small part that's within you. Now we understand that both are necessary in order to make the dear B'dachtainim, the mitzvahs and the Torah, the Torah and the mitzvahs. Because the intention of what Hashem desired that you should have a dear B'dachtainim, it was that his essential self should be able to rest here below. In this lowly world where there's nothing lower. And because this is what the Eivishter wanted, this cannot be affected. This cannot be, this cannot come to fruition without both of these aspects. Inin that he should bring down his atmos, and at the same time, and it should be in a way that it impacts the And here's another here's another layer of difference. Because the Torah and God are one. So when you learn Torah, you are actually being mamshich, atzmus of the Eibushter. But precisely because it's atzmus, it cannot saturate Because the Torah, even in the way that it flows down to this world, is still transcendent and cannot be encased bidvarim tachtoinim gashmiyim. It cannot be encased in this lowest strata. Me'idach, on the other hand, ha-mitzvah shehine varen demalka, the mitzvahs that are called the limbs of the king, kishehein bois lamata, hein mislab shehiz bidvarim agashmiyim. So the strength is the weakness and the weakness is the strength. So in mitzvahs, they come down and they can be mislavish and they must be mislavish. <laughs> this is the whole in your mitzvahs. <laughs> to take physical, material, corporeal aspects <laughs> and to affect with them a refinement <laughs> through doing mitzvahs with them. <laughs> And through this, we affect that the Atzmus of Hashem should come into and rest here. So it's like the Rebbe is teaching us that there's like the Torah flows into the mitzvahs, and in this way, the Atzmus can actually rest here. There can be Hashras Hashchina. Because look what he's saying. 
He's saying to take these physical things, and to affect a refinement of doing the mitzvahs. And he doesn't say he says so it has to be that the Torah feeds the mitzvahs and then the mitzvahs allows the Shekhinah to come however Sarah back to the you know putting on tefillin the Rebbe taught us you know about reflux you know how there's acid reflux so there's like spiritual reflux Sometimes the it's only through the tefillin that they're going to learn the Torah that's going to infuse the mitzvah to allow it for that Shara Sashchina. So that, you know, it's going both directions. So the levushim are not uh, so bad after all. They reflect who we are, our clothing. We, we never <laughs> said levushim are bad. But there is a distinction between the food and the clothing. No, but I'm saying the levushim are not lesser necessarily. They're not the lesser, they're different. In Hasidus, it's always about how both are necessary. Right. And, and in, one, in, in one way, you can learn it, one is lower than the other. In another way, one is higher than the other. The same thing. Through this will be understood. Remember all those questions that have been asked? Now he's going to wrap them all up. So what's the connection between the fact that um, the fire of Gehenim doesn't impact both Hamidi Chachamim and Poishi Yisrael? And what's the connection to the larger Sugya? And why in Chagiga V'loi Mesechas Eruven? That explains why. Because the the content of both of these teachings, is to teach us that we have to contemplate the details. And then we can see and we can recognize Asher B'nei Yisrael, that when it comes to B'nei Yisrael, whether you're talking about Tamil Chacham or you're talking about Paisha Yisrael, the Averis that they do, is only a veneer. It is something that is so external and extraneous and secondary to who they are. And the main thing of every Jew is the good and the holiness. I mean, this is not enough to bring everybody to tears and just to remind us how lucky we are. And now we know why it's in this sugya. Because the Gemara is talking about the Mizbuchis that are not Mikabel Tuma. Because when we contemplate and we look carefully, like only the Rebbe can teach us to look through his microscope, it brings us to the conclusion, remember the Rebbe said, what was above this? That the Gemara concluded 
that the tzipui, that the gold or the or the the nechishas, the the the, the copper, was bottled to the mizbeach, and that's why it wasn't mekabel tuma. It was not mekabel tuma because the, because what's the truth? The yid is in a mekabel tuma. And because in Ashra Sashkina there are two things. There's the binary, there's both modalities in Mitzvahs. Do you remember the question that the Rebbe asked that it seems to be out of order, right? The salamander is stuck in the middle of a conversation about Mizbachis. If you're going to go on a tangent, at least you know, try to connect it with some kind of segue. But now we understand why. Because it's not just talking about the Mishkan, the Mikdash. It's talking about the Mikdash HaPrati that each one of us has within us. We have both of these. And this is the main thing of each Jew. Whether they're Tamil Chacham or they're considered Pashaya. The Aina Dabar Yachal is And the truth and the main thing about each Jew cannot be abnegated by the Averish. It's just a facade, it's just a veneer that covers on top of their etzim. And now we understand the order and why the Limud of Rabbi Vahu, Rabbi Lazar, is brought before the Limud. Of First, it talks about and only after about Yisrael about the about the Even though the Gemara seems to be interrupting its logical flow, because the Mizbeach Hazav is only mentioned in reference to Pesach Yisrael. Because that is the Seder in general. So first it talks about the Talmud Chacham. Then it talks about the Peshir. And this is the way the Shechina comes down, both generally and for each one individually. First is Hamshacha of Atmos through And afterwards, it's Nimshach in Tachtainim through Mitzvahs. And when we learn this, we can appreciate. You know, we, we have always heard, and, and certain people are pack rats, and they even have all the newspaper articles that were generated by the Rebbe's Mifzayim, and especially Mifzit Filin. And how could you take a Yid who didn't wash Negovasser and who knows what they did and who knows what they ate and put Filin on them? There was an uproar in the whole world. But now we can appreciate that that uproar was nothing compared to what must have been happening by the Rebbe in his inner landscape. And yet, he said, go out and do that. Because in this time, there has to be the spiritual reflux. It's not going to be able to be the way it should be. And there are many in Yanim, the Rebbe spoke about this in many different ways, in many sikhs, where yes, there is a Seder. Normally, there's a Seder. But we're not living in normal times. So when you think you're not normal, 
that's that's good because you're you know this is what that's just Munsik today. That's what we gotta do. So that's our sicha for today. Chaim, everybody, have a wonderful, wonderful week and hold to Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry, I'm really gonna find out why this is happening. This is the second time that my computer froze. We already brought somebody to check out the internet. I don't know what's going on, but um hopefully we can have it sorted out.